uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about how to move past Christmas. I, I don't know if you all are like this. This Christmas was great for me, and it felt like it was, like, really long. Like, usually Christmas comes and goes like that for me, and this year just felt like, man, Christmas was seven months long. And uh, typically, when, when Christmas has moved on, I am one that wants, like, my part of the house to just be in order. I want everything to, like, find its place. If I got some socks, I want them in my sock drawer. If I got a book, I want it on the bookshelf. I want everything, like, to go in order and to decide where to put everything. And uh, that's what we're going to do with Christmas a little bit. Is just, okay, where do we put what we have talked about for the last couple weeks? So I want to read over you the, the Christmas story again. I know... I know many of you did on uh, Christmas Eve together, and it's probably part of your tradition in other ways. But I want to read this part of Luke 2 that we've heard a million times, because I think it's just good to be reminded. I'm going to read a few verses, so get comfortable. Then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in, okay? In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria and went to their own house, all went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time had come for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. I've read that like 10 billion times. And there's, there's still points where I just feel emotion, where I just feel this, this story. And let's, let's pray together and, and see, ask God that, that God might help us to treasure, help us to find a place for the things of Christmas, Okay. Jesus, thanks that you came as Emmanuel with us. You came as a 
a vulnerable baby, that you came and accomplished all that you needed to, that we don't live in lack. I pray that these, these topics of Christmas, that they might find home in us today. Thanks. In your name. Amen. Well, again, I'm making the assumption that we're a bit alike and that we all want to find places for the things of Christmas and we want a little bit of order and we want to make sense of things. And so I brought uh, I brought a few a few gifts with today that these are going to kind of represent some places where we can put the four themes of Advent. Okay, so play along with me. The first gift is one I don't wish on you, the game Operation. Do you all remember this game? This game, I remember, uh, I played it at the time of my life where people told me I could be anything. And then I played that game and they said, well, you could be anything but a surgeon because my hand shakes so bad that it sounds like a pinball machine. That is the most maddening game ever. I don't want you to be thinking about that, though. When we see this game today, I want you to think of all the parts of you, the head, the heart, the hands, the feet, the body. Is there somewhere within you that you really need these themes of of Advent to live, to reside? Let's not settle for the all of me unless it is all of us. Some of the things need to be in our head. Some of the things need to soak to our heart. Some need to settle our gut. All that kind of thing, okay? So this is the first one. This represents you. The the second one is uh, a picture frame. We usually, in our picture frames, unless you haven't used it, and you have the generic people in there still, this is where we put people that we love, right? People who are in our lives. This this one is a cute little one of, of little Anna. And when you see this, I want you to think of the people in your life. In this church that you work with, that you live with, your family, your friends, the people that you love, that you would put in a picture frame. Maybe that's somebody that you're going to pray these themes of Advent for. That that is a place where these themes reside. Another one is this, this globe here that is, is pink, which means it's completely accurate. And that's just representing places, people who are in other cities, other countries, other spaces. Where are we praying that these themes would be lived out, that they'd be experienced, that they'd be known at a deeper level? And finally, I believe if we don't do something with these themes, we'll put them out till next year. And we'll take them back out next Advent and we'll talk about them again. But if we don't really ask God to help find a place for these themes in our lives, then they just become like theory. And they just become like concepts that we sometimes think about. But we don't realize the full gift of Jesus where we can actually ask, Jesus, will you will you show my heart? Will you show my loved one? Will you show my friends in this other space? who you are, what this is in in Advent. Okay, this is all seems odd, right? But let's let's talk through the the four topics of Advent for a minute. 
And then I want to give you as a way to just process this. Where, where are you going to actively be praying that these are felt, experienced, known? So the first topic is, is love. You're beloved. We've talked about this over and over again. We spent like 10 weeks on it a, a year ago. We, this whole series has been on the fact that you are loved, but it's not just you. It's us, but it's not just us. God so loved the world. That he wants to set everything right again. Right? We know this theoretically. But this Christmas, as we go into next year, where do we want this to be made known? Maybe it's in you. Maybe it's in your head. Maybe you've got thoughts racing all over the place. Memories of what you've done or who you were. And you just need this to start replacing some. Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's some loved ones or some friends or somebody who's struggling that you want really tangibly for them to know that they're loved. Maybe it's people in another city, another country. Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's people that you know. Who is it? Where is it? That you want to actively be praying, Jesus, will you bring your love here? Make your love known here. Now, this is where I really believe faith is. We talked a couple weeks ago about how Christmas is in reach like honest Christmas tree, right? And how faith is, is believing that it's all Jesus. Yes, I, I believe that. But then there's this active part of faith, which is saying like, hey, Jesus... I know you love me, but I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like it. Wherever my feels are located, can you put your love there? And I want to believe that. But that takes courage. And that takes vulnerability. And that's where I think faith becomes real active. So the first question for you, that real simply, is this... Christmas season, as we pack up Christmas, as we move into this new year, where do you want to ask Jesus to reveal his love? Is it in you? And if it's in you, where? Is it some people that you know and love? Is it a people group, a space? Or if we just leave it to being a concept, I'm afraid we'll just put it away till later and we'll miss the gift. Okay, second one, hope. We all know hope, but hope, like, I don't think we define it all that often. I don't think we talk about what it really is. It's semi-related to trust, right? And if hope is just out there, it's not really helpful. You know what I mean? If, if we're just like, well, I hope the weather is this, that really means nothing. Or like, oh, I hope, I, I hope that next year I, I, I get in super shape. I was watching part of a basketball game yesterday, and Giannis does 1,500 push-ups every day. And I was like, how did he get there? I bet he started at a lower number. And I was like, oh, I should do that for about three minutes. And I was like, that would be great. Like... 
And like, well, if I put that hope in me, oh, I'm going to do, no, that, that hope is going to fail. So much of hope is what your hope is in, right? So trust is what your hope is in. I trust God. We, we say that. If you're saying I trust God, what you're saying is I'm putting my hope in God. And then hope is what you trust for. Does this make sense? Hope is what your trust is in. I trust you. You trust me. Okay, that, that's in one another. What do we trust each other for? That's your hope. I trust that I'll see you this morning. Okay, the trust is for this. Our hope is that I'll see you this morning. It's a little bit like this. I, you, you probably know I, I've got a little garden in my backyard that I really like. I'm not great at it, but I really like this little garden. And it's a really long hose from the side of the house, but I've got enough hose to get back to this garden. The, the trust end is the side of the hose that plugs into the house. I trust that there's water that's going to come out. And then hope is where I choose to pour out that water. I'm hoping that the water goes into the garden. If it goes onto my sidewalk, it doesn't help that much. If it goes by the magnolia tree, it, it kind of floods. But if it goes to the garden, it does what I want it to do. And then my job is just to make sure that my trust is where it needs to be. And my hope is I'm being honest about. Does that make some sense? So what are we actually hoping for? We have hope, but sometimes it's just generic and it just kind of spills out. But Jesus is actually our hope. And so what do you hope for? Or where do you need hope? I looked at our Ask, Seek, and Knock board back there. And there's some things that we're still ask, seeking, and knocking on. I know right now I'm thinking of some loved ones that have some health stuff that's pretty major. I, I hope for healing there. And pretty specific. I'm like pretty specific parts of the body. I know that people are desperate for hope because when we don't have that, life feels pretty meaningless and we start to live like it's pretty meaningless. Maybe that's us. Maybe that's our loved ones. Maybe we think of this city or another city, another space. But before we pack up Christmas, is your trust in something secure? And then where is your hope? Like, what are you actually hoping for? That's part of the joy of this is we get to be specific on it. We get to say like, hey, Jesus, I, I've been a little discouraged. Can you just put hope into my heart again? Can you remind me what that feels like? What that is like? Hey, my neighbor has had a really tough year. Could you put hope in his life again? Specifically, like financial and employment hope, like the hope that that isn't over. You know what I'm saying? So spend some seconds. What what is your hope? The third one that comes up is is joy. And I think we we think of joy at, at Christmas and I particularly think of like loud joy, right? Like ha, 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 and kids talking and 
presence being, it was lots of Nerf guns for us this year, and I very accidentally shot Nikki in the face yesterday and left a little mark. It was, sorry Nikki, you're probably watching. It was, it was not my intent. But too many Nerf guns going around, and those things are way too high powered now. They are not like they used to be. <laughs> my goodness. But I think of joy as this kind of loud thing. And then as we get into uh, January, oftentimes January feels kind of joyless. January is a really hard time mentally for people and emotionally for people. And part of it is also the way we do it. We, we say this year is going to be better than next. We make unattainable goals and we like... Let's, let's hunker down and really do this thing and we kind of stop giving ourselves any grace. And then we just got past these things we were looking forward to and it's darker and it's colder and I just ate 7,000 cookies the previous month. We kind of set ourselves up for a joyless month and to start the year off behind, right? Maybe that's not everybody, but I think that's a lot of us. To where, before we pack up Christmas, where do we need joy? And we're not just talking about, like, being happy, right? Though I do enjoy the times that I'm just genuinely happy. We're, we're talking about those things, like, you can usually see a joyful person in their eye, right? That that's beyond their circumstances. That there's just genuine joy. That there's a little bit of playfulness. That there's a... They're living with a, a bit of perhaps. Perhaps something wonderful is going to happen. Perhaps we're going to be really present together. Perhaps this moment really matters. Perhaps God's not done yet. So this joy can handle serious things, but is, does not take itself too seriously, right? Where do we need joy? The angels proclaimed it. Jesus said he came for it. Like where, where? We can ask. We can ask anything. Do you need joy in your heart? Do you need joy in your body? Are you living three inches shorter because you're tensed? Is there some family or friends who need joy? Are you thinking of a space or are we willing to just pack it up and try it again next year? And the last one is, is peace. And Martin did a great job of explaining this over the Advent calendar or uh, candle last week. But I love over the last couple of years just learning more about peace, that this isn't the absence of conflict I always thought it was. And that frankly, if, if you pull out of conflict, that doesn't mean you're experiencing peace. That just means you're distant from conflict for a moment. But that peace is a positive thing, that it's flourishing, that it's whole, that it's healing, that it's abundance, that it's God's design. That it's this expansive thing, that there's room enough for all of us in this peace. So where do we need peace? I think some of us genuinely need it in our actual physical stomach. For our bodies. Could we have peace? Could we know what foods we can eat and what foods we can't eat? And can we know 
our limits and be okay with our limits so that we can flourish. I know there's plenty of us who need this in our minds to slow thoughts and replace thoughts and give more whole and reconciled thoughts. We definitely need this with our loved ones. We definitely need this in spaces in the world. But even in a group as small as we are, we pray on these things confidently. Not confident that we're praying correctly, but confident that Jesus is really Jesus. And we say like real specific, hey, could, could you maybe bring peace to some of my dear friends who are worried about health and if they got each other sick and all, could, could you bring peace in there? As they finish their time together? Could you bring peace to my mind as I, I tend to rush towards anxiety? We can be specific on this. Jesus says that, right? Ask, seek, knock. Even the guy who's laying by the well, who clearly wants to get up. Jesus even asks, what, do you want to get well? What do you want? He, he asks these questions and invites us to approach himself and be honest. So I, uh, one of the things I really like is I, I like sitting in my office and playing records. I, I don't know why. I don't know enough about music to know how it sounds better on a record than on a phone or any. Maybe I just feel cool. Maybe I like standing up every four songs and switching the side. I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, I really like records. And a couple years ago, I didn't know if I liked records or not. So I bought a real like low-end, me and 10-year-olds get this record player, right? And I wore it out. I loved this thing. And then Christmas was coming, and uh, I never know what I want. And I say it's because I don't want anything, and that's partially true. That's probably like 52% true. Uh, but the rest is, I, I'm embarrassed when I do want something. And that doesn't make any sense, but I know it's not just me. And Nikki told me, hey, I want to buy you a record book, because she can read me better than I can read me. You like your record player. You want a good record player. I want to buy you a record player. Pick out a record player. And one night I sat in my office and Googled things and read articles, and I'd never done any of that because I didn't dare ever want anything. How silly is that? Tons of people around me who love me, and I just won't look at that. And so Christmas yesterday morning, open it up. I got the most beautiful record player now sitting in in my office and even she talked to my mom. My mom got me speakers. I got this whole cool little setup. I'm never leaving my office now. <laughs> Especially after this extroverted couple weeks. And I say that silly thing, not partially to brag, I got a really cool record player. But also like, I'm not the only one and we're really silly on this. We're embarrassed that we actually want something from a God who's so good. And maybe I'm asking for too much, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm asking for the wrong thing. I'm pretty sure that's not going to scare God off. I'm pretty sure me being honest is not going to make God offended, especially on the things of like love and hope and joy and peace. And so maybe we can be honest and say, ah, 
my heart has been running on empty for years. This has been a little tough couple years. Lord, can I have joy? Can I know that? And then sit still and trust our God to speak. It's good enough. And so in a few minutes, we'll have some time. If anyone wants to pray together or wants to talk about it, we can do that. Before that, we're going to receive communion because this isn't a hope that's not plugged into nothing, right? This is an actual, like, no, we're, we're plugged into Jesus. And we're going to celebrate Jesus in this. And we have communion cups right here if you need one. But first, I want to give us just like, like 30 seconds. I'm just going to stand here. Matt's going to play beautifully. And just 30 seconds to start asking. And maybe you don't have all four, right? Maybe the four things are just too much. But maybe one of the four really stands out. And you really know where you would ask God to bring that. I want to give you that space to do just that. And then I'll kind of pray over all of us. And Joy's going to lead us in communion and... We'll we'll close in that way, okay? Jesus, you're enough. And I know that our requests are not too much. In fact, I know that you already know. But sometimes it seems that you wait until we know what we need. So would you be gentle with us as we muster up the courage to, to ask specifically where we're needing your love, your hope, your joy, and your peace. Jesus, would you give us the courage to ask? And the courage to listen and hear your response. Thank you that you're with us. In your name, amen.